Hey there, it's Jason. Welcome to the Jason Wright Show, where the mission is very simple. It is to improve always in all ways. Look, I am on a mission to create the absolute best version of myself. And through the Jason Wright Show, I let you know everything I'm doing to make that happen. I interview incredible, remarkable, brilliant individuals from all different walks of life. And I also try to bring you tools, tactics, and protocols that will help you in your own personal mission to improve always in always. Now, let's get started. Well, howdy, everyone, and welcome to the Jason Rice Show. I'm back. Okay, so if you notice, I haven't put out an episode in probably about 15 days because that's how long I have been in Europe, and I got to tell you, it was phenomenal, but I'm dragging. I am having a tough time getting back into the swing of things. I will say this. The, the cool thing about the time change uh, being whenever you're in, in Europe, I was in Paris, then, well, excuse me, I started in London, then went to Paris. Then we went down to the south of France, to Provence. Uh, spent some time in Central Pay. Went to Nice. And then made our way to Venice and then Rome. And over there, they are about, I guess it's six hours, with the exception of one time. We were seven hours ahead of where we are right now. And so now that I'm back, <clears throat> I'm waking up really early. And so this day started at about 4.15. Uh, my, my uh, I guess my uh, circadian rhythm is kind of getting back in order, but man, I'm just, I'm missing being over there. I'm missing the good food. And I, I got to tell you, man, it was so weird being in Europe and looking kind of back at America and talking to Europeans and kind of what they think of what's happening in America right now. <clears throat> and they're all just like, well, we're, we're kind of wondering, it seems kind of crazy over there. You know, it seems like so many people just hate each other in America. And, and it was bizarre. It's, it's really crazy how America is like kind of painted as this uber conservative, you know, just button down type place. And yet when you go to France and France seems more conservative than the U.S., you know, something's whacked. Of course, but you know, that's just kind of, that was a tourist interpretation. Uh, we had a blast over there it was uh celebrating abby my youngest daughter you, have, you guys have heard her on the show before uh her graduation from the university of colorado and so we were over there celebrating and mrs wright and i and abby had an absolute blast but now i'm back and i'm trying to get back in the swing of things trying to improve always and always hey i actually one of the things that's really hard was getting my workouts in because i mean mrs wright had us up early and going late and if there's one thing that i cannot stand it's staying up late but in this case i want to squeeze it all in we did that and we had a a, a blast i gotta tell you about this uh this one character that we heard uh, a story about i gotta tell you the story it's, it's just absolutely it's, it's kind of awesome gotta tell you about michael fagan so we actually hired um private tour guides for most of the stops that we made. And the one in London, his name was Ben. The guy was fantastic. He's exactly what you would expect from a British 
tour guide. He was very proper, uh, wore, wore a tweed jacket, was awesome. He took us through the Churchill war rooms and we got to watch the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. And he was talking about this guy named Michael Fagan who he had just broken up with a girl and he was sitting in a bar and he'd been drinking away his sorrows all day. And he, he's just depressed. He wanted someone to talk to. The bar was about to close down. And he decided that the person that he should talk to, that he really needed to pour his heart out to, was the queen. And so he made his way over to Buckingham Palace. And somehow he makes it through one of the gates. And, it, and he said that Ben, our, our tour guide, told us, he said, if you look over at the fence, he said, it looks like it would be a really secure place. However, it's not that hard to get in. So this guy... Michael Fagan, he gets into the gate and he go and he does set off an alarm, but the 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 guards at Buckingham Palace thought that it was a mistake because they had been having problems with the alarm system and so they thought it was a false alarm. So they they turned the alarm off. Well, Fagan then goes and he tries to open a window. And lo and behold, the window opens, he gets in, and what happens? Alarms go off again. What happens? The guards at Buckingham Palace turn the alarms off again. They think it's a mistake. So Fagan is walking through Buckingham Palace and he decides that he needs to relieve himself. Well, he can't find anything to go to the bathroom. Uh, he can't find a bathroom. He doesn't mean with all the with all the rooms and everything, you can't find a water closet. So he ends up peeing in like a Voss or something there. So, so we got that. Well, then he decides, you know what? He could use a little bit of something extra to drink. And he's looking around. He opens some cabinets. And lo and behold, he opens up a, a cabinet that just happens to be a liquor cabinet. Well, he grabs a bottle of wine. He doesn't have an opener. So he breaks the top of the bottle of the wine. And he starts drinking the wine. Gets spills it all over uh, one of the, the rugs, which, I mean, it's Buckingham Palace. I'm thinking this is kind of a priceless um, piece of tapestry that he does this. And finally he goes and he goes upstairs and he decides, you know what, he's tired and he doesn't know how to get out and he's just, he's drunk. And he decides he's going to go into one of the bedrooms and he's going to just have, he's just going to lie down for a little bit. Well, he goes in and he does find a bed. He gets, he sits on the edge of the bed and all of a sudden someone pops up. It's the queen. The queen pops up and asks, you know, can I help you? I mean, she plays it cool. She's startled, but they end up talking. He tells her the problem, his problem. She's sitting there going, okay, okay. She's listening. And then finally, I think that, uh, I think what Ben said was that she said, he asked her, well, do you happen to have a cigarette? And she said, no, I don't smoke myself, but I can have one brought up to you right away. And so she calls downstairs and she says, um, excuse me, could someone please bring the man sitting on the edge of my bed drunk a cigarette? And eventually people come in and they take Michael Fagan. And I just thought, are you kidding me? This is a, it's a true story. You look it up, you can Google it, Michael Fagan. And I may have gotten some of the details wrong on the story. And it's probably been, you know, there's probably been some uh, artistic liberty or embellishment taken over the years on how the story actually went. But I thought, man, that was a crazy story. But let me tell you something. If you're thinking about doing a European tour, then, and it, it's not cheap, I'll tell you right now, it's not, it's not inexpensive, but if you can swing it, Pay the extra money and get a personal guide. It is worth it. I'm kind of a history nut myself, but when you've got someone with you 
walking you through, telling you the little goofy stories like the Michael Fagan story, along with some really historical, uh, historically significant facts. Again, going through the uh, Churchill War Rooms uh, that if you've ever seen uh, Darkest Hour, the movie where I believe it was Gary Oldman that played Churchill did a fantastic job. Great movie. That entire movie basically takes place in the Churchill War Rooms where we toured all those rooms and Ben took us through and gave us all the details of kind of how Churchill structured his day and things that went on. This little private um, room that everyone thought it was his private bathroom and it was always marked occupied. And they were like, yeah, typical Churchill gets his own bathroom. Here we are. We're all having to stay in this bunker and he has his own bathroom. and He's always in there. He won't use the bathroom. Well, it turns out that um, it wasn't a bathroom at all. It was actually Churchill's private phone that rang directly to FDR. And so that was really cool. And then we were, when we were in Paris, we hired a... Um, a tour guide to take us through some of the uh, the, the the high points, uh, the more historical spots along uh, in, in in Paris, and you know some uh, went over to some of Van Gogh's stomping grounds. We'd actually stayed up in uh, Montmartre before, which is where Van Gogh spent most of his time in Paris. But it was so much better going back this time and actually learning uh, little details of where Picasso had hung out, where Van Gogh had hung out, and why they were there, and what was going on at the time. Really cool. And then um, also had a guy take us through the south of France, take us to some really cool villages. It was just absolutely amazing. We had a tour guide in Venice, which, by the way, I don't know what I was expecting, but... Venice is so unbelievably cool and beautiful and just you really don't know how to get used to being in a in a town where there are no streets there are only the canals and it's just like what you would imagine I mean everyone gets around by waterway and you'll be walking and you'll go down these cool little alleys and you'll walk it'll just come to a dead end because there is a canal so you have to turn and go around and um, there are you know over 400 bridges uh, on the main part, main island of, of Venice but it's just so beautiful so cool and then we went to Rome and went through all the highlights, uh, went through all the historical areas that you can think of. We took a Vespa tour, which was kind of funny. I look kind of like Dumb and Dumber because I didn't drive the Vespas. We actually rode in the back of the Vespas with the tour guides. Uh, that was so cool. Went into the Colosseum and uh, went through the Vatican, which, my gosh. And, and I tell you what, it was really cool for me as someone who's a Protestant, learning more about how the role the Catholic Church has played in the expansion of Western civilization, its power within the government of Rome, and how those two have worked together through the years, um, and just just uh, and, and and just realizing just how. And I know this is, I know everyone listening to this knows this, but America is a baby. We are young on the world stage. We are so young. And when you go over and you see these uh, buildings and these structures and these statues that are thousands of years old that existed before the time of Christ, it's like, my goodness. And so it was just absolutely phenomenal. But now got to get back in the swing. So I thought, you know, I'd kind of come on without much of an agenda. This is more of just a kind of a I'm back. It's glad to be back. It's glad to be back in front of this microphone, checking in on my my peeps that I know are also and, and, and interested in improving always and always. And a, a great way to do that, I'm telling you, is travel. 
get out there and see other parts of the world. It is a lot of fun, and it was a blast. And I thought also what I would do is I would make a movie recommendation. It's very hard these days. I don't know if, at least it is for me, it's really hard for me to find movies that I just really love and are good because, you know, uh, I've, I've said this before, you know, so much of Hollywood's mission these days, these days, as opposed to entertaining is to preach and teach and change minds and kind of, um, you know, uh, put forth an ideological narrative. And so the entertainment kind of falls second to all that. Well, let me tell you something in the movie air, the story of Nike and its relationship with Michael Jordan by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. It, I, I, I'm telling you, I have not seen a movie that I enjoyed that much in years. And I've seen some pretty good ones. Uh, but th- that is one of the most amazing movies. And here's the thing. You know what? I got the kind of the same sense I got from Maverick, where it was just a good American pro-American story no there was nothing in it to 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 like kind of give a you know a show the you know expose some dark seedy side of of corporate america or anything like that that wasn't the idea the idea was to just see how these two giants nike and michael jordan how they formed their relationship it 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 lets you in on how amazing Michael Jordan's mom is and the influence and the that she had on him and the role she played in changing the the way athletes and companies and endorsements work and how how for forever. I mean, so much of these these athletes getting a piece of revenue from the products they endorse. All of that happened as a result of this contract that Nike structured with Michael Jordan, all because of his mother and her demands and her savvy. And it, it just, it, and I got to give it to Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And here, here's the cool thing. Okay, so I don't think anyone would ever doubt though these guys, uh, probably their, their political beliefs, everybody knows where they stand. They're probably pretty woke. Um, they, they're probably not guys that believe like a, a lot of other people, but you know what the cool thing about it is they have shown that even though they probably believe a lot of the kind of the woke agenda or whatever, and I don't want to say that I'm just thinking back like whenever um, Ben Affleck got in that fat fight with Sam Harris and Bill Maher famously over Islam um, on Bill Maher's uh, uh, show. Uh, but here's the thing, even if they do hold those beliefs, they still are incredible filmmakers and they're able to put that aside and actually make great movies, tell great stories and let that come first. And that's exactly what they, they did. And it's really cool because I had just watched on the airplane coming home Ford versus Ferrari. If you have not seen Ford versus Ferrari again, another amazing American tell. It is so awesome. True story about a great Texan, Carol Shelby. Uh, I actually have a little bit of a, I've never met Carol Shelby, never met any of the fans, but I do some consulting for a company that actually has managed his 
timber property out here in Texas for over 40 years. So I feel like I've got kind of like a little bit of a, uh, a link by proxy to the Shelby family and Carol Shelby. And so I'm, I'm just, I love a good American tale, a good American success story. And you throw a Texan in there and I'm all in. And so Ford versus Ferrari, which as you know, Matt Damon plays Carol, uh, Shelby and such a good movie. And then to the very next day, come home and Sunday morning, Jim and I were recovering from our 12 hour international flight and just a, just a marathon of a two week trip. And we decided, let's just watch a movie this morning. And I throw on air and Ben Affleck is so good. I, I gotta tell you, look, I, and I, I always tell people this, that, that when I'm talking about Ben Affleck, I never want to watch a movie with Ben Affleck because ever since back in the day when he first dated Jennifer Lopez and he made that, I think he was in the Jenny from around the block video and he's rubbing on her butt on the yacht and all that. It just, it's just like, I was like, you know, that's just not, that's not what Clark Gable would have done. That's not what Humphrey Bogart would have done. That's not what, you know, I just, I couldn't have ever seen Harrison Ford doing something like that. I was like, what are you doing, Ben Affleck? You know, you're supposed to be bigger than that as a movie star. George Clooney wouldn't have done that. And so it really just kind of cheapened Ben Affleck's image. I know that's judgy. I get it. I'm being so judgy. But here's how I come back from it. Even though I never want to watch a movie with Ben Affleck, I end up enjoying not only the movie that he's in, but I enjoy the performance by Ben Affleck. So I'm here to say, I'm here to announce for the first time to make a proclamation, Ben Affleck is a good actor. He just is. I really love his acting. And he plays Phil Knight and the uh, the founder of Nike and does it so well. He actually directed the movie and the direction is so spectacular. And then Matt Damon he play he plays kind of th- this role that he is that as kind of the the underdog business guy. He's this uh, high school talent scout for Nike. That's kind of like he he sees the talent in Jordan well before anybody else does. And his name was Sonny. Oh gosh, I, I'm drawing a blank on the, the actual the real guy guy's name. But you but he he plays him and he plays it so well. And the two of those guys. And I'm sitting there thinking too, by the way, because I'm about. Matt and Ben's age. And so um, I, I still remember uh, Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck making small. Well, I guess Matt had a pretty prominent role in the movie School Ties uh, with Brandon Fraser. If you haven't seen that, that's another good film. Ben Affleck is in that movie, but he's kind of just kind of like a an ancillary character. He's not that big. But then, of course, it wasn't. But a couple of years later, they end up writing the screenplay and winning an Academy Award for Goodwill Hunting, which is one of the best movies from the 90s bar none and so to see these two guys that at such a young age became Hollywood heavyweights I mean they are AA list the top of the A list that's these guys all the way from when they were in their early 20s hell I, I don't even know if they were I guess they were probably in their 20s when they did Goodwill Hunting they might have been even younger than that but to where they are now, I guess both of them are probably in their 50s. I think they're both a little older than me. I'm 48, so probably in their 50s. And they're still crushing it. And watching them do this movie together and play it, do it so well, I'm telling you, and you will be inspired. And the cool thing is, you know, you really couldn't make a movie, I don't think, that would be that just, I don't see how you could ever do justice to Michael Jordan trying to do a movie as the, the you know, a biography of Michael Jordan. The, you know, Last Dance was probably the best you'll ever get as a documentary and it was phenomenal too but 
when you watch this movie and you kind of get all these little behind the scenes um, secrets, not secrets, but just little things uh, uh, unveiled, kind of like going back to what I was talking about whenever you have a tour guide with whenever you take a trip overseas or somewhere and you learn these little details, it makes it come to life even more. That's what this movie does. It really brings the story of why Nike that we now take for granted is just this huge company that anybody that sees that swoosh on almost any continent would know it means Nike and the just do it. And all the song, you know, I want to be like Mike and it's just kind of Air Jordan. It's just kind of like, we get to see it see everything once it's there and it's in the American lexicon and it's just and we know how iconic it is. But watching the evolution of something like that, how it, it, the, the movie it tells you how the silhouette of Jordan jumping through the air, how that came about. It talks about why this was such a I remember whenever the Air Jordans first came out and they looked different. You know, they had, they, they were, they had a lot of red and black and they weren't as white as the other shoes. Well, you realize that was, there was something behind that. I'm not going to give it all away. I want you to, these things to unfold for you. Um, and it's just really amazing. Then uh, I'm telling you an Easter egg that was so great to find in this movie that I had no idea was there until I turned it on was Jason Bateman is in the movie and I will watch pretty much anything with Jason Bateman. I love Jason Bateman. It was, um, there's just so much about this movie that I like. You can't help but be inspired. And then it gives you just enough of a glimpse of how Michael Jordan was raised and just how special he was and is to this day, even as a businessman. And you understand why he now makes $400 million a year in passive income due to his deal with Nike and deserves every penny of it. And I got to tell you, one of the greatest things about the movie to me is at the very end, they're like, you know how when they do these movies and they kind of tell you that the, 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 the uh, text will come on the screen and tell you what's going on now and kind of little facts like that when I just told you about how, you know, Michael Jordan now makes an estimated $400 million a year in passive income off of his contract with Nike for the, all the shoes uh, that, that are sold bearing his likeness. But then they also say something in there that I think is so phenomenal is they say, and Michael Jordan would go on to become or has became the greatest basketball player of all time. And look, the whole LeBron versus Jordan Jordan argument, there's just, I don't know how in, I mean, I, I'm not a basketball fan, I'm not an NBA fan, so I'm sure some NBA fan could take me to school on this in their own way. But Jordan's the best. Jordan is the best that ever lived, bottom line. Um, and, and Jordan won't say that because he realizes that if the two played at the same time, it's a different game. It's a much more physical game. I do know that much. It's much more physical whenever Jordan played. He wasn't as big. And that's the thing, though. He wasn't as big as LeBron, but yet he was the guy, I think, that you know, if you're going to go to battle and you got LeBron James, Michael Jordan to choose from, I mean, honestly, who in their right mind is not going to choose Michael freaking Jordan? He, in my opinion, and that's what it is, worth every penny payment for it, is my opinion, is absolutely the not only the greatest basketball player of our all time, but arguably one of probably the top five competitive athletes to have ever lived. 
I mean, they're just, I don't see any way that to dispute that. And so anyway, I, I could not more highly recommend that movie. As a matter of fact, that's your homework as it, to, to improve always in all ways. I cannot more, I, I can't state more strongly how much I encourage you to watch that movie. It'll make you feel good. It will inspire you. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, Michael Jordan, ever since I saw The Last Dance, I didn't think much of Jordan. That I mean, just I grew up with him playing. I thought, man, it's awesome, but I'm not a basketball fan. But I love Michael Jordan. I think he's the best ever, like I said. But I don't have, like, sports heroes. I'm not a sports guy, really. <clears throat> but when I watched The Last Dance, that's when I became a real admirer of Jordan. And then watching this movie only added to it. There's just the, the mystique, the, the legend, the just the... This, the, the, the pure different type of human being that Michael Jordan is, how he is just, he's got a, he's got a different gene in him that few, few people have. And um, I think that you'll see that in this movie. And so I cannot more highly recommend you going to see that. Um, what else can I tell you now that I'm back? So I guess... I guess that's it. I've got a lot of guests lined up. I'm trying to get the the funnel sorted out of guests and everything to get you um, just get you guys some good interviews back rolling. But just wanted to come on and say I'm back. The Vitruvian Letter. If you if you haven't subscribed to the Vitruvian Letter, please do it. I uh, I put that on pause for a while. I didn't put one out a couple of weeks before I left for Europe, and I had every intention of both recording episodes um, in Europe as well as writing uh, some. Uh, VLs while I was there and get those out. Took my laptop to do it, and I didn't. And I'm okay with that. You know, here's one of the things that I did different on this trip. That I, I I generally when I get away, I find myself I don't stress and worry about what I've got going on. What I do is I start dreaming and get really excited about all the projects. And I have got so many freaking different things that I'm working on right now and teeing up, it's kind of daunting. And so usually what I'll do is I'll go off on a vacation and I'll start taking notes and really, really thinking deeply about the things that I want to get done. And I got to tell you, I didn't do any of that this time. As a matter of fact, I didn't think about this podcast at all. I didn't really think about the Vitruvian letter. I didn't think about my courses that I want to teach. I didn't think about my app, the Vitruvian lab. I didn't think about any of it. You know what I did? I thought about being in Venice, being in Paris, being with my daughter and my wife and focusing on the the beauty, the incredible food. I just let myself be present. And so I hope that you can find a moment and you don't have to go to the other side of the world to do that. Just find some time to get away, go for a walk in the woods, go and just resolve to just don't do anything. Don't think about your ambitions, your goals, or anything like that. Give you know, they will always be there when you get back. I think I'm. I'm actually, you know, I I took my uh, my daily journal, which is kind of it's different than my regular journal. My my, my daily journals where I kind of like line out my 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 day every day I, from hour by hour what I'm going to be doing. I took it with the intention to document every single day and kind of do some, again, some, some, take some notes and, you know, use the time to clear my head and really get some, you know, dreaming and scheming going. Didn't do any of it. I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad I didn't because you know what? The only thing I took from that trip is amazing memories 
um, some probably some needed rest, both physically and my brain. And I encourage each and every one of you to do that. Take find some time to get away. Leave your your to do lists, your goals, your dreams, your ambitions. Just leave them behind for just a little bit. Just 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 a, just a little bit, and go somewhere with with some people you love. And be fully, fully present and soak up something that has nothing to do with the stuff that consumes us each and every day. I guarantee you, you'll be glad you did. And uh, and that's it. I'm back. I appreciate you tuning in. I know this was just kind of a babbling episode. I don't know that this did any, I don't know that this message really had any, any utility value to you whatsoever. I hope it did. I hope that um, you'll stick. You'll you'll come back for some great interviews as we finish out the second half of the year. Cubely, that we are going into the second half. You know the way I look at it is, went on this awesome vacation, came back, we're coming out of the locker room. It's time to crush the second half of this year, and I'm going to do it with great interviews, with great projects, with great content creation, and uh, and hopefully, you will be a part of that. And together. We will indeed, no matter what we do, improve always and always. I'm back, baby. Keep listening. I'll check you out later. I'm Jason, and I'm out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget... Download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, the Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve always in always. I'm out.